Product managers give 100% of themselves to their customers. But who's there for the PM? The Product Management Center at the University of Washington. It's a global hub for knowledge, community, and impact. I'm Jeff Schulman, founding director of the Product Management Center and your host on this show, How to Succeed in Product Management. Each week, I'm joined by my co-host, Red, and some of the best product managers in the business. Together, we're having candid conversations that help you understand the challenges that a product manager faces, how they overcome them, and the tools and frameworks that will help you thrive in the role. So let's start the show. Welcome, everybody. My name is Jeff Schulman, and I am professor at the University of Washington's Foster School of Business and the founding director of the Product Management Center. And we are here every single week trying to enrich the lives of diverse product managers and to empower all of you to develop, to drive success in your career. And we hope you do that, uh, developing innovations that are inclusive to diverse audiences and leading your cross-functional teams with an inclusion mindset as best as possible. And we are here today. We choose a different topic each week to help current and aspiring product managers succeed in product management. And today's focus is influence, how to lead with influence. A common theme is that product managers have influence without authority, and we're going to dive deep into how that's done with our special guest uh, today, KJ. Quickly, tell us a little bit about your product management. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me on here today. I'm excited to get into the conversation. As Jeff stated, my name is KJ. I work as a senior product manager at The Black Tux currently. Prior to that, I've been in e-commerce now for a few years and sort of kind of crafted an e-com PM career. I have a master's in UX design and my journey into product came actually through engineering. So after college, I thought I was going to be an engineer. I was doing a engineering internship at Twitter and I started talking to the product team there um, and I just fell in love and never came back to engineering. I'm so excited to talk about leading with influence today. All right. And thank you for influencing uh, the topic that we chose. Uh, Sumeya, your superhuman skill is that you could take a topic that I or my guests have chosen and tell the world why they need to listen. So tell us quickly about yourself and why the world should listen to you and KJ and whatever guests come up on stage today, uh, why they should listen to Leading by Influence. Yeah, absolutely, Jeff. I've been in the product management world for almost 20 years. And this topic of influence with authority is extremely important. It's one that has come up early in my career and continues to come up. So even as a manager and, you know, quote unquote leader with a title that gives you some authority, you still are going to have to laterally and upward manage and influence. So this topic of uh, influence is relevant at every level. It is what leadership is made of, a good part of leadership is made of that, and how to build that skill of influence and how to build the personal muscle that allows you to have that influence around you is an important topic for everyone. Product managers who are starting today and product managers who have been at their craft for decades can benefit as well. So I'm excited to delve deeper into this topic for sure. All right. And speaking of delving deeper into the topic, Red, you've got a way that people could delve as deep as they would like in today's conversation. Tell us a little bit about yourself, why you're here, uh, in case people forgot over the last week while we took the week off, and how they can get involved in today's conversation. 
Absolutely. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, for those who are new to this conversation, new to how to succeed in product management, my name is Red. I'm one of the founding advisors for the Product Management Center at University of Washington. But more so, as uh, Sumi and Jeff said earlier on, before we even started recording today's show, I'm the cheerleader for inclusiveness in product management. And to make today inclusive for anyone who is either live here on the show right now, that's right, or maybe you're listening to the podcast. For those who are not aware, we record this every week, Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, and post it as a podcast. But what we find is in between every Tuesday, we want to give people a chance to get in touch with us. So we created a Slack group. It's not a community we're trying to monetize. It's not a community where you're going to get recruited or poached unless that's your goal. But ultimately, it's a place where you can come to us and ask for help and learn more about what the Product Management Center is doing for the community of product managers around the globe. So if you have questions today, in about 20 minutes, we'll invite you up on stage and you can ask Q&A, or perhaps you're a more shy type and you'd like to find me on Slack and ask questions there. With that in mind, I'll put a link right here in Clubhouse. But again, because this is a podcast, if you want to reach out to me on LinkedIn or, you know, find me by a carrier pigeon or figure out if I have a fax number and fax it there, just ask and we'll invite you into this community. No questions asked. We want you to be involved and we want to encourage your growth as a product leader. So back to you, Jeff. Thank you very much. All right, Red, love the energy. And KJ, why don't we start with you and uh, just tell us a little bit about what you mean by leading with influence or leading by influence. Yeah, I think Sumaya said it best that it's something that you apply, I think, at every stage of your product career. I mean, I think I read an article one time that said, like, actually, in order to be a product manager, you probably have led by influence or, or at least persuaded someone to give you a chance at some point. So I think it's definitely fundamental to the to the product role and your growth as a product manager to really be able to build relationships, maintain relationships, and really be able to drive your point across with data and, and with conviction in a way that allows people to rally behind you and, and support you. Because, you know, with your ideas as a PM and, and the, the different initiatives that you're trying to drive across, if you don't have the support of, you know, your peers, your team, a leadership, um, you're, just, you're just not going to be able to influence the way that you want to. So, yeah, this, that's why I want, this topic is, I, I think, so crucial to being a great PM. And I think it's one that it's taken me time to learn and I'm still learning about, but it wasn't necessarily at the top of my list. When I wanted to become a PM, it wasn't something that I thought, okay, yeah, this is something that I need to nail. It's just over time, I've realized how important it is. And when I look at other great PMs, it's something that they definitely have in their toolbox. All right. Thank you. And I want to go to Sumeya just to further hit the narrative of why people should pay attention and also to help people diagnose whether they have a need for improvement. Can you share a little bit about how one knows they're not doing a good job at leading by influence? So what are some indicators that it's just not going that well and there's you have room for improvement here? <laughs> well, I, I want to follow on to something KJ said that I agree with, which is you're continuously developing your influencing skills uh, because influence is not something just internal. It's, there are so many external factors you have to address and take into consideration. And let's be honest, sometimes you meet a new kind of person, someone with a different style that you haven't met before. It's time plays into it. It's a skill that the more people you meet, the more situations you have of challenges and conflict, the 
better you actually get at this. The more questions you get, the more quote-unquote difficult personalities you end up working with, the better your skill of influencing uh, gets. But if you don't get to meet or interact with any of those people and you stay within one bubble, yes, maybe you've reached uh, the maximum strength of influence you can within that environment. But as soon as you go out to another environment, you might not do so well and you have to work on your skills again. So, you know, sometimes there are skills that you just work on yourself, such as self-awareness and self-management. But a lot of times there are also skills that all depend on what you face from other people or other environments. So having said that, when do you know that your influence is not there or you don't have it yet? And not to be glib about it, but it's essentially when nothing you want to get done gets done. You are not able to inspire or influence or convince or argue or negotiate for a mutual benefit that gets you to complete the work or get to the outcome you need to get to. And, you know, there is a a spectrum there. Sometimes you might, it's just one thing that you don't get to do, but you've gotten the majority of the things you want to do done. And I would say that's life. That's not because your influence isn't there. But if you're starting to see the balance tip the other direction, where the majority of what you want to do, you're blocked on because you're not able to convince people to follow or inspire them to do, then that's where I would say you definitely need to work more on your influence. So speaking of working on your influence, KJ, what are some activities or frameworks or what have you done to strengthen your influence muscle to be better at it as you've gone through your career? Yeah, number one is definitely relationships and building solid relationships both with peers and management. I think most recently I came I came into an organization, into a role that had previously been filled by someone else. And there was just some tension with a specific person in management or a specific, te- specific team in the company and my current team. And it was just like, you know, there was just, I, I could sense when I had gotten to that role that there was some friction. And so you know, I started working with that stakeholder and, you know, a lot of, it just seemed, I could sense that something was off. And so what I did was meet with each member of that team individually, you know, just to kind of, hey, I'm KJ. I just want to get to know you as a person. Like, what do you like to do? You know, where were you before this? Just understanding you as a person and forming like an actual genuine connection, right? Having a reason to talk to them outside of, you know, just the work that we need to do. And even that was a way of just, you know, building, like shedding all the tension, building a layer of trust and just like, hey, like we're both in this together. We have common goals. Like, I don't know how it was done in the past, but, you know, this is the way that I work and I I really want to get to know you as as a person. And I think that has really helped me. That's one of the things that's really helped me. And that, that works across all types of team members, right? So even like with engineering teams like engineering teams you know often have a lot of there's a lot of like cultural elements that have to that, that interfere with how an engineering team operates and so getting to understand the culture of the team getting to understand the different people and, and what motivates them and what doesn't motivate them and what are they excited about that, that all of that helps you know as you are later on pitching a business case or pitching an idea, I can understand who I'm talking to. I know my audience at that point. And that has been really fundamental. Another thing is data. 
You know, like you don't want to just be another person that has opinions <laughs> on things. You know, you want to be someone that has thought things through, that crosses their T's and dots their I's. Like you want to make sure that you are prepared to go into conversations and um, you have some data to support you. You won't always have all the data that you need. And yes, you know, sometimes we have to rely on intuition, but as much as you can arm yourself with data and assumptions and make those plain, I think that also has been really crucial in helping me lead with influence because, you know, numbers, when people see the numbers, you know, you just can't deny it. So even if that relationship is not there and we don't have that one-on-one connection, I can still show you that, hey, these are all the reasons why this is actually a great idea. And Sumeya, anything to add to that or anything that's worked for you? So there is a book I have mentioned before as, you know, something at the cornerstone of all my thinking around developing skills and, you know, having more emotional intelligence. And the name of the book is Emotional Intelligence. It was, uh, you know, published 27 years ago, and I think is still relevant today. But the reason why I like that book is because the skills that it talks about, or the four important things it talks about, are very comprehensive. They don't allow for that room for manipulation, where people are just thinking, about how can I manipulate these people to do what needs to be done or what I want them to do. But it's more of a connection and a relationship you build and empathy that goes both ways. And within within this emotional intelligence framework, there are four things. The first one, of course, is self-awareness. The second one is self-management. And both of these are all about understanding yourself, understanding, you know, what you need to work on and understanding how you need to manage yourself, essentially. And then the other two, they're they're more outward, social awareness and relationship management. Social awareness is all about understanding unspoken rules, those cultural norms and people preferences that they won't necessarily write down, but over time you'll get to understand what people need. For example, you'll get to understand that this person needs data to be convinced to do anything. And this person just needs to understand business impact. And that person wants to see slides. And the other person wants to see uh, graphics. Uh, You know, those are little things you can pick up over time. And they're really about the social awareness you have at a personal level, but then also, of course, the political norms you have within your organization. And of course, the relationship management. I love what KJ said about, you know, building relationships with people and focusing on that. So I always recommend this book. And then another one by Amy Cuddy about presence. Between those two, there is a good balance of what are the actual minute skills you want to work on, the things you need to think about, the questions you need to ask yourself within different situations. And then what are the tools you might want to deploy in each one of those situations? All right. Now, Red, you're usually here just to, uh, not just to, but you bring the energy, a couple bad jokes here and there, great jokes, I mean, and bring people up on stage and welcome questions. But, you know, you are an influencer. When KJ was talking about building relationships and leading with empathy, you come to mind. So even though you're not a product manager, I think you are an expert here. And I'd love to hear some frameworks that you have for leading by influence. Well, I appreciate it, Jeff. And uh, good or bad jokes, all jokes, I judge equally. I would say the emotional intelligence that Samaya is referencing is an incredible book. I highly recommend it as well. But from 
at least surviving the world of the corporate ladder, or maybe you're the opposite end, you're in a startup. I think the thing that's often forgotten is being your authentic self. And in order to influence others, there's still this authenticity that is absolutely required. Because, you know, if you're being empathetic to someone, but your intentions are not pure, it's going to get figured out. And if you're not being your authentic self, they might not trust you because it's the vibes they're getting from the empathy engine you're using or framework. And by the way, I will point out a few. If you're not doing it from not just the right place, but you're also not doing it from the authentic self, it will end up hurting your cause rather than helping it long term. So I'll give you an example. In the, at least the startup world, this is normal, and I'm imagining corporate probably does this too. You have the opportunity to take self-assessments. There's the print test, 16 personalities. There is um, one that I just discovered recently. It's eluding me, but it'll come back to me. All these tests are designed so that you can get to know your strengths and your weaknesses and lean into them. And the reason they're doing this is because they're asking you to work on a team with other people and everyone has something they need in order to gain the influence and in order to work properly with others, you need to know who you are first. That is at least the premise. And if you're going to coach someone, you have to understand them. So Sumaya, like this EQ and this IQ, imagine knowing how a person fits into this model is like, you know, this person is quiet. They like to operate independently. Their strength is that they're passionate. Their weakness is they make decisions quickly. So combining a framework with that knowledge is incredibly powerful when you're going to a team, but it's equally powerful when you're self-aware. So I just said a lot in this, Jeff. I'm curious to know if any of that's kind of uh, sticking or relating back to some of the things you've just mentioned. Red, I think I agree with you 100%. I think the authenticity piece is an integral part of the self-awareness. And without you understanding yourself on what's important to you, you won't be able to do the rest. So without you understanding what you need to be successful, you won't be able to help anyone else whether it's the company or your team, be successful as well. And I think it's the right place to start, specifically in self-awareness, which, you know, when talking about the EQ model, they also start there. It's a good place to start because there are situations, in extreme situations, you'll find that you're not a fit with the environment you're in. And yes, maybe you should disengage and look for something else. But in the majority of cases, I imagine for people, they understand what their skills are or what their tendencies are. And that allows them at least a starting point to know where they can go to next, whether in the development of their own skills or in the creation of new mechanism or tactics that helps them be more effective with the people around them. So this is my long way of saying, I agree with you. All of these things are not meant to be dogmatic, but they provide good frameworks to start to think about the different angles and and factors to think about. KJ, any reactions to what Red or Sumeya said? No, I totally agree. I, I, I do. And I think another... When you mentioned that, I thought about what I said about building relationships. And I think that authenticity piece is so crucial. 
Yeah, so I think having those authentic connections, you know, knowing yourself and sharing that with your team, you know, sharing, you know, areas where you're, that you're working on. I have, you know, a really great peer at my company currently, and we talk about, you know, the results of our our, our tests that we take and things like that, um, just so that, you know, she can keep me honest about things that I need to work on or areas where, you know, I might be, you know, blinded or, and, and I can do the same for her. And so, you know, we keep each other, you know, we keep each other honest on things that we need to get better at and, and work on or in areas that we're succeeding or areas that we are improving. So I think, yeah, that, that I, I totally agree. And I, I resonate with that really well. All right. So no controversy. Red always likes controversy. We're not getting it yet, but soon enough, we're going to invite you on stage. So if you want to get on stage, raise your hand and then Red will tell everybody how that goes. I do want to add real quick, the Product Management Center at the University of Washington, we have a, a product leadership cohort program and we bring in executives to help product managers with four to 10 years experience, what it takes to get to the next level. And Ravi Mehta, a former chief product officer at Tinder, and I'm gonna mess this up, but he raised a point that in this program that, that really struck with me is just thinking about, normally we call it stakeholder management, and that kind of embodies like a, we have to manage people and kind of pull them and push them to where we want them to go. And that mindset could be detrimental to the success of the product and could be detrimental to the success of the relationships because it doesn't have what we want, which is stakeholder inclusion, where you're including them in the process of getting to the to the right outcomes. You're including their ideas, you're including their whole selves. And if you even just shape it and, and even just call it stakeholder inclusion instead of stakeholder management, you start to change how you treat people a little bit. I'm messing that up, but I think that's my takeaway is even just how we think about stakeholders and how we think of what we want those relationships to grow echoes what KJ and Sumeya and Red said, that we want to include them in the process and not just manage them as pieces on a, a chessboard, so to speak. What you just said, by the way, brings the quote that I will give credit to my CEO for enlightening me. But when I joined my company, he consistently urged me to think of the people that use our product as people, not users, as qualitative, empathetic souls rather than quantitative goals. And I think that what you just said resonates perfectly with that. The idea that when you put a face and a name, a persona, a real human behind it, there's a, it's a lot easier to build that relationship than when you're just treating them as a high volume, scalable number. So thank you. You're welcome. And thank you. So we are... A group here, four of us, all sharing love and collaborate and uh, agreeing with each other. Red wants some controversy. So, Red, uh, let's invite it. Uh, do your thing. <laughs> I was going to say, I do have one point, though, <laughs> I, and that might be controversial for a second, if you don't mind. You know, I've been thinking about, you know, the, our titles, product managers, a lot. And yes, the word manager or management has so much built into it already. But the nature of our work as product managers, it's really not about moving any chess pieces anywhere. It's about working with tension and discovering a path ahead. You know, it has allowed, as I think about, you know, the role of product management, it has redefined the word management for me. To me, management is about influence and inspiration and forging or finding a road ahead. And I've let go of that old idea of management as, you know, more directive and power oriented. 
So I only say this to say there might be new new paradigms or new ways for us to think about world, uh, the word management that doesn't have all of those authoritarian things associated with it. Yeah, I agree that management doesn't have to be, I mean, I'm at a business school, so I have to love management. I'm going to, I don't know if it's controversy we're stoking here, but just a quick Google search of the definition of management powered by Oxford languages. I guess I might even be on Bing. Uh, shout out to our Microsoft friends. Number one definition is the process of dealing with or controlling things or people. I think as much as we'd like to move to a place where it is inspiration and it is uh, collaboration, I think some people incorrectly presume that management is control. Uh, and so words often matter. And then also, if we're going to keep those words and we people like you, Samea, who, who care passionately about empathy and psychological safety have to, to work to really form these associations with the word management that could become what people think of it going forward. Do we have controversy? Anything, <laughs> any retort well, there, Samea? Well, I, I hope so. But I just, you know, to me, because we live it, like, which one of us here has the title manager in their title every day, even from day one? Like you graduate college and your title has the word manager in it. And that's product managers. And I think maybe within our bubble of product managers, the word management is a little more nuanced, but externally it might have that power and control aspect associated with it. It might take a long time to disassociate the two concepts from each other. But I think it's a reality for us product managers or people in product management that our roles have very little control, very little power, except the power we can get through our influence and inspiration. So I am agreeing about the external perception of it. But within, I think, every product manager, there is a recognition that the control and power are not there unless we can inspire people and influence them. All right, KJ, you're going to get to settle this debate. Where do you land on the associations with manager and management? Yeah, I know. When you, as soon as Sumaya said that, actually, I also went to Google and searched the definition of management and was not expecting it to be that aggressive. <laughs> but yeah, I, I get that. I mean, I, I've never spent that much time thinking about the fact that the word manager is in my job title. And I guess I, in the way that I think about it, it's not necessarily a manager of people or anything like that and more of ownership and accountability of products. And so that's the way that I thought about the term manager, but I can definitely see how that could be externally or for people that aren't necessarily in product management, how that could be a weird term. And it's not necessarily what we do and doesn't necessarily describe it. So I, I guess I see, I see both angles there. I don't think it's a super controversial topic either, <laughs> but, but yeah, that's kind of where I stand. So hold up from someone who used to be confused when I first learned about product managers, not necessarily meaning managers, what do you call a manager that manages product managers? Are they a product manager manager? Not a joke. <laughs> Legit question. PM manager. manager. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Got it. So it's, it's, product managers. it's confusing for people who are new to product management, but I think it's important to point out that it is very important that you earn a title in this world. Like everyone respects the fight it takes to get a title, to get a specific term that tells the world, this is what I do. 
And at least from that perspective, it's important to spend your time understanding what that growth path looks like as a product manager. So the, one of the questions I've been asked historically, and I'd be curious to bring up now is, is the path for product management to become a product manager manager, or is the path to go in a different direction, principal, or is there another path we aren't even thinking about? I think, so yeah, this is actually something that we've been spending some time thinking about my company as we start to think about like PM pathways and possibly bringing in junior product managers. And so I think people managers is one path, like you stated, Red, but individual contributors and specialists are another path. And I think it also depends on the company and the needs. When I started out my career, I was in consulting. And so we had like it was a big consulting firm and we had like pretty much every type of path like individual contributor maximum path like just product leader and like just an expert in product and then we had like people managers so i think there's several ways to skin the cat if you will there's there's several paths for pm leadership or if you only want to be an individual contributor i'm not sure if that answered your question red but i think there's a lot of ways to do it Definitely helpful. I think that it's a, maybe an open-ended topic. If someone's relating to this question and they want to learn more, please join the Slack community, reach out, let us know. We can help you navigate that incredible world of growth within the product management space. That said, Jeff, I do notice someone's on stage. Do we have time for a question? Do we have room for one? It is time for Red to influence this conversation by doing your thing. So are you Red? Oh, to do it? God, don't laugh so much. Do not come off mute. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> I was I'm waiting have to laugh. for it. It's awesome. <laughs> I'm going to miss you guys. <laughs> so, wait, um, wait a minute. Is that an announcement? No, 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 no. I'm joking. I'm joking. Okay. So it was a bad joke. <laughs> okay. You'll miss us till next week. Exactly. <laughs> you had me a little nervous. I was not read for that <laughs> announcement. Red, just remind our guests what that red circle means in case they came late and then the show is yours to, to manage. Absolutely. Influence. So for all to be aware and all to be up to date on what this Clubhouse cast is for is to record these amazing conversations that we're having, which means if you're on stage, if you want to be on stage, we're recording this tonight so we can syndicate it and share it with the whole world. Believe me when I say this, Jeff, me and I have been doing this for a year, and we have followers and listeners from around the world who want to get a leg up in the world of product management. So with that in mind, we want to give back to you. So if you have a question, reach out. We're recording it. And tonight, we're very lucky to have someone who self-describes as they're here to laugh. So Amin, if you just want to laugh, we're all happy to hear it. But if you have a question, that works too. First of all, thank you so much for having me. I just wanted to add specifically to the comment about the management part of product. Just a few months ago, I transitioned from an engineering career over to product marketing management. I got fascinated about product management through Sumia's Club, The Week in Product. So I'm here to just offer a little bit perspective of how I see it now that I'm inside of big tech for the first time. A few months ago when I started joining her club, I was not working in big tech. I transitioned from an, from engineering, but now I work at Twitter and I work directly with tons of product managers, engineering managers, and different people who have the title manager in their role, including myself. And so what I found is that product management 
from my perspective as a PMM and also someone who is interested in venturing into product management later, it really is about leading and influencing without authority. So no matter what space you're in, whether we're doing Hack Week, whether we're working on a project together, a feature launch, a bigger, larger launch that's going to go from beta to like the entire public, one of the things that I noticed that the best, the great product managers do very well is that ability to influence without authority and just persuade us to this like vision. So even though they might not be my manager or your manager, when a product manager is able to speak the language of everybody that they're working with cross-functionally, and whether they're, if they're speaking to data, data analytics person, or if they put on that data hat and they know that this particular group is more visual, I think those are the product managers that not only, whether they want to lead people or not, not only do they go on to be greater managers if they do manage people, but I think that management piece is being able to put all the pieces to the puzzle on the table, not that you're putting it all together yourself, but getting all of us rallied around that product vision, but especially doing it without that authority. They're not my manager, but they're able to get me to do what it is I need to do to add my piece to that puzzle so we can get that product to those people that really need it. So that, that was what I wanted to add. So Mia took most of it from my thought. <laughs> well, I, I can tell you right now, there's a lot you just shared, and I'd love to get the reflection back from the source themselves. Sumeya, what do you think about this? You know, first of all, congratulations on your role. I love your story. And we're going to talk about this soon and happy to, you know, about the progression in your career and you achieving your goals ultimately. But not but. And I agree with everything you said, because as product managers, our number one, I think, responsibility is to inspire the team towards the vision or the goals that we and the outcomes we need to achieve. Everything else from OKRs and roadmaps and, you know, like the tactics, the stuff you you write and you you build, all of that is not meaningful if you cannot inspire the team to move towards a specific direction or specific goal. And I love your perspective as someone who is working and collaborating directly with the PMs, you saying what you need from them and you being able to tell when a PM is doing their job really well and able to inspire you and the rest of the team to do that. I myself watch different PMs at work and I can tell the ones who are really good at it. They come at it also, you know, not to be very reductive, but they come at it from a place of joy. Even to the most difficult situations, you can see that they're enjoying that challenge and working through it like a, a problem they want to solve and, a, and looking to elevate the whole team. So happy to have heard that in your voice, too. Brock on. I think that's great. Samaya, obviously, you inspired this through the incredible work, the unofficial slash official queen of Clubhouse, dubbed by Jeff, by the way. I'm giving Jeff full credit for that one. So, I mean, thank you for humbly coming up on stage and helping guide that. But I will say one thing that ties back to the influence model is what you just showed is an incredible path for anyone who wants to drive influence. They are an empathetic worker who, while they're not someone else's manager, has to gain their trust in order to 
get this certain outcome achieved. So really incredible to see this outcome uh, and really incredible to see the validation of what we're discussing. With that in mind, since we have no one else raising hands, I'm in back to the incredible sea of growth for you. And Jeff, let's see what kind of controversy you, my friend, can stoke. Game on. I don't know if I could stir any controversy, but I could influence the direction of this conversation. <laughs> Sorry, laughing at my own jokes. I can't even get it out without laughing. Anyway, we'll cut that in the podcast so I, I don't have <laughs> the laughing on my own, not jokes. <laughs> if that's being cut, then I'm going to laugh with you because I was laughing and hesitating to unmute. I'm like, I've laughed so much. <laughs> Never hesitate to come off mute to give a, a little bit of positive reinforcement. That's part of influence, positive reinforcement. So taking this conversation to the peer-to-peer -peer discussion, KJ, I'm wondering, as you're thinking through and, and you're growing as a product manager and, and getting better and better at influencing, leading by influence, any questions for Sumeya? Either questions that something you think you know the answer and want to see if Sumeya agrees or something that you're struggling with that you hope uh, Sumeya could share her perspective on. Yeah, I think I think something that would be cool to hear about is growing this influence early on in your journey at a new at a new company. So I think over time I learned how to build those relationships with my team, my stakeholders. Um, I generally over time learn, you know, different people's strengths and weaknesses and I can kind of play to those. But do you have any advice advice to me about doing it quicker or early on, maybe within, you know, the first 90 days at a company? You know, how do you kind of hit the ground running? Yeah, I love this question, KJ. And the only reason why I feel really comfortable answering it is because, you know, in my background, I've done consulting for a good stretch of time. And as you know, as a consultant, you go into an organization and you have to establish trust very quickly and deliver value really quickly. And so I've broken it up, at least for me, into two parts. One is trust, build trust, and the second one, show competence. So how do you build trust? You build trust by asking questions, by listening well, by, you know, that empathy we talk about a lot and, you know, having an understanding of where the the person next to you, what whatever level they're at or whatever function they are playing, listening to them, being curious with them, coming from a place of wanting to solve a problem for them, especially if they are the customer or the person, you know, who's the client or the user. <laughs> Sorry for using that word, Red. But in this case, you know, Curiosity helps you establish trust. Listening helps you establish trust. And there is a lot more also with the trust piece, following through and being accountable for whatever you, you promise. But then the second piece, of course, the competence piece is something that people look at ultimately Yes, you might be a nice person, they might like you, they might connect with you, but have you delivered what you have been hired for? Have you achieved the outcomes uh, you want to achieve? And I think, not to get very gender specific about this, I think a lot of us women focus a lot on the competence piece. And sometimes we forget about the other part, and it just comes back and haunts us at different times in our career. But I think we're realizing that now sooner through mentorships and the coalitions we build with other, you know, sponsors at work and, and all of that. So those are my thoughts on the topic. Would love to hear your perspective as well. Yeah, I think that, that 
makes a lot of sense. And I love the way that you framed that with, you know, showing competence and building trust. And I, I definitely agree that like, you know, as women, we've, we've, we've internalized <laughs> this feeling of, of, you know, making sure that we are nailing it and, you know, we can't find flaws in our execution, but then building that trust and having those relationships, um, you know, really just spending the time building that and cultivating that with the team, I think is also a really good way early on to start, you know, that relationship building process. So Sumeya, any questions for KJ? Yes, absolutely. So KJ, one of the things that we didn't talk about a lot, but you know, you touched on is the network piece. And, you know, of course, networking also has this, a lot of people, when you mention it, they roll their eyes. It, ha- it has become a, a little bit of a tired term, uh, but I'm curious about some of the ways you have done this or some of the tactics. How do you manage your network? How do you stay in touch with people? How do you continue cultivating it and nurturing it some some of what has worked for you in the past would be great yeah absolutely i i resonate with this question on several levels <laughs> so you know at the at the highest level with just like i think pm community and just keeping myself abreast of things that are going on at other companies and with other pms i tend to I think Twitter is probably the place where I, I have a, a bit of a product community. I'm not necessarily a contributor to it, but I, I do I have mentors from afar, I like to say, on several platforms. And, and that's kind of how I got connected with this as well. But yeah, that would be first, I think, just having some level of like understanding of things that are going on and constantly learning and being enriched through a network of PMs that are doing great things. I think that's number one. And then two, within my company, whether it's my team or stakeholders and, you know, just everyone that I come across that I think, you know, I, I want to continue a relationship with. I'm just really intentional about, hey, let's set up some time to just chat, you know. Oh, what are you doing this weekend? And just understanding what's going on in people's lives and, and following up on it and checking in on it. Those are just things that I, I don't do it like, I don't know. It's weird. I don't like intentionally do it because it's, I'm trying to build a relationship. I just enjoy it. Like I want to know, you know, the things that motivate you as my colleague. I want to know things that you're excited about. Are you the type of person that likes public praise? Great. Then I'll put your name in Slack every week. Are you the type of person that's like kind of embarrassed by that? And you want me to actually like pull you to the side and tell you how great I think you are. Then yeah, let's set up 30 minutes to do that. So yeah, I think, it's just genuinely interesting to me to understand, you know, motivators for people and how to make the workplace more interesting for people. And I lean into that and, and I'm really intentional about making it happen. All right. Now we're almost to concluding thoughts. But before, I just want to give a chance for any additional resources or frameworks that you each want to share with the audience. And I'll go to Sumeya first, because I know I could always put her on the spot and she'll have a dozen frameworks and can choose which one she wants to share. But frameworks or resources that for those in the audience who are thinking about how to lead by influence, what would you recommend? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think I mentioned a couple of them here. The two books, one by, I actually forgot the name of the author, the emotional intelligence one. And then it's the only book. And he has, I think, a follow on. But the the one from 27 years ago is the one I go to. And it's just great for inspiration to think about different aspects. Think of it as a checklist of things or questions to ask yourself, not necessarily as, you know, a recipe to follow. And the second one is the Amy Cuddy one, the one about presence. The reason I love that, that's more up to date. It definitely talks about authenticity. It talks about, you know, likability versus competence or, you know, are you perceived as nice or perceived as good at your job? What are some of the things that helps you determine that? And of course, leads to that controversial question of would you rather be liked or followed, or I don't remember the exact, uh, you know, breakup of which one is opposite the other. But yeah, those are the two books I would recommend on this topic. There is one other book that I like uh, called Decisive by Chip Heath. And the reason why I bring that up within this context, because it talks about the different kinds of data points or the different types of thinking frameworks you can use depending on the situation you're in so that you can get to a decision together with other people. So it's another book to think about. KJ, any frameworks or resources that you'd like to share with the audience? I wish I had (laughs) um, the resources offhand that Sumay is talking about, but I actually have started reading a book called Crucial Conversations. And one of my directors recommended it for me just to talk, just, you know, as something to read to get a better understanding of leadership and managing people and feedback and having, you know, one of the tougher conversations. So I've just started that if anyone wants to join me in reading that, but so far so good. I hear a book club, book club, Jeff. Woo woo. You know, we've been trying to get a book club going in the product management center. We had a couple of volunteers that were going to kick it off and then it it hasn't gotten off the ground, but we've got to figure out how to do a book club because I think that's a great way to to learn together and connect together. Speaking of crucial conversations, I just want to say one thing that I feel personally is important to, to acknowledge. We are here and I'm very grateful that we have a space to learn, to dedicate our minds and bodies to learning and growing, that we have a place to connect and come together as a community. And I want to acknowledge that with all that's going on in the world right now, Ukraine especially, but other people have been also less fortunate to not have the the freedom and the time to to connect and to learn and to grow as violence is upending and and rooting their lives or the lives of their loved ones and family members. So I do want to, I, I don't know what to say, and I can't say it on behalf of anybody but myself, but I do want to express my sympathies to anybody who knows somebody or has a loved one or is personally affected by what's happening in the world right now. And as Red said, focusing on the positive, I think it's I'm grateful that we have our space here today and I hope that we continue to have the space and that more people can come together and learn and share and grow. And so, Red, anything to add to that moment of whatever that was? Well, Jeff, it's hard to vocalize, but what I can say is you authentically represented exactly the type of empathy that we're here to express and we're, again, very grateful for anyone and any everyone who's taken the time tonight to spend some time reflecting with us, not just on their lives and their careers, but even in this moment with what's going on in the world. So for that, there's not enough words, but only this moment to say, just be the best version of yourself and, and do what you can to support what's going on 
uh, in the world today. I'll leave it with that because I imagine at work, everyone's got their own approaches and I don't want to remind uh, too much about what they might already know, but rather provide some silver lining to know that there are good people here tonight to help you get through this. And if anyone wants to reach out to us on Slack and uh, start a conversation and whether you're looking for someone to listen or you just want to distract yourself by focusing on something else, whatever it is that you need to get through these times, know that uh, Jeff, Samaya, myself, KJ, we're here for you. And that's not what influencers do to grow their market share. That's what people who truly care about others do for others. So there you go. All right, Red. Well said. Thank you for adding that. And um, yeah, so back to giving people a space to be focused on product management. It's time to conclude this conversation. I will go to Sumeya. Bite-sized takeaways or concluding thoughts you want to leave the audience with today? Yeah, absolutely. You know, as you and Dred were speaking right now, I was thinking about, you know, the concept of community. And, you know, the best product managers, I feel, create community also with their teams. Uh, You can tell that people in their teams feel comfortable to voice their opinions, and yet there is mutual respect and admiration and love between them. And so people can count each other for that support. And I think a lot of that happens because those PMs are good at this game of influence. And I actually shouldn't call it game because the good ones do the influence thing organically, authentically, and it just becomes part of them over time. So don't despair. You might have to work on some of those skills in the beginning, but over time, they'll just become innate in you. Like, for example, reading a room. You know, you enter a room for the first time. You haven't met any of the people in it. And over time, you'll quickly be able to understand the types of styles in that room. So my really my takeaway here is this influence thing might seem abstract, but you'll get it over time as long as you're self-aware and continue working on it and you continue doing the right thing for your team. Well said, Sumeya. KJ, anything you want to leave the audience with, bite-sized takeaways or concluding thoughts? Yeah, of course. Um, I think... One thing is, you know, really lean into the resistance, right? So, like, don't shy away from, and this is one thing I've I've learned, I'm really speaking to myself, don't shy away from, you know, those situations that are more, where there's more tension or, you know, things where it's not as easy to lead with influence. I think those are really the opportunities that we have to learn, learn new skill sets and really like understand a new type of person and a new type of thinking. And so I think you're really leaning into those opportunities and understanding that it takes time. And then I really love the two points that Sumeya gave earlier. And I think that really encompasses a lot of leading by influence is building that trust with people and understanding that these, like the people that you're working with are actually people outside of work and then outside and inside of work, actually. (laughs) And then showing your competence, right? Like flexing your skills, making sure that you're on it and people will see that and they'll respect it. Thank you, KJ. Uh, Thank you for joining us. And speaking of trust and respect, Red, I trust you to conclude with some respectful thoughts here. I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) do your thing. What's your concluding thought? Well, people always like references in books. I'm I'm actually shocked no one uh, mentioned radical candor, given, yeah, it is. So Crucial Conversations is on my desk. Love the book, KJ. Incredible read. Uh, Radical candor, 
another incredible opportunity to really earn that trust and drive that empathy card. I'm actually going to throw out a curveball here. Two books, not just one. The first one is by Sunil Gupta called Backable. The reason I recommend this one is because a lot of people have a hard time talking about and representing themselves. And this book can help you break through that. And I think the other one is a personal favorite by Chris Voss, an FBI negotiator called Never Split the Difference. And sometimes tactical empathy can be great, Sumeya, but certain people are harder to crack than others in using that empathy card. So if you really want to become the best at the empathy game, learn from the FBI where they were using these tactics to stop people from really bad things. I'll leave it at that. So if you're trying to ask a colleague for extra time on the roadmap, I think it'll be coming a lot easier than the stuff that this guy's had to do for his career. So with that in mind, Jeff, hopefully people will appreciate these gifts, read the books. And if you do want to discuss the books, hit me up on Slack and then we can start a mini book club and boom, we can go from there. Back to you, Jeff. All right. I love the energy from everybody here on stage. Uh, my concluding thoughts are that if you want to lead not just by influence, but by shaping lives, transforming lives, we have an inclusive product management accelerator where our goal is to empower professionals from historically marginalized communities to land their first PM role. Some of them are engineers like KJ was before she became a product manager. Some of them have MBAs and are either consultants or analysts. So it's a wide spectrum of individuals in the program, but unified by one thing, which is they are hungry to be product managers. They are passionate about uh, developing innovations that are inclusive to diverse audiences, and they are ready. They just need a little bit of help and a little bit of guidance. And we're looking for you in the audience or there on in podcast land who's listening. The Product Management Center here at the University of Washington could use you as a volunteer if you want to do a mock interview to help them get ready for the final stretch of their marathon into product management. So mock interviews, or if you want to hire, if you're hiring somebody in product adjacent roles, please consider this talent pool. We have a, a, about almost 100 in the, in the program now, and they are unbelievable. Everybody who's met them has been impressed, and it's just a matter of getting them to meet more people so that the person who is hiring will be able to see their unique talents and bring them onto their team. So volunteer, hire from the, the talent pool, uh, support uh, the next generation of product management talent in the inclusive product management accelerator. And that is how you could lead by influence, influence that next generation. Anyway, thank you so much, KJ. It's been great having you here today. Thank you, Red, for the energy you bring. And uh, everybody, thank you for listening. We'll be back on Clubhouse next Tuesday, 4 p.m. Pacific time. And then you could download today's episode and all third, 40 episodes, all 40 previous episodes are available on how to succeed in product management on every major podcasting platform, Apple, Spotify, tune in, you name it. So download and subscribe and maybe give it five stars while you're at it. Anyway, I've gone on too long. Thank you, everybody. Have a great week.